Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris. I'm co-founder of the online magazine, The Refined Woman, and my vision is to create a safe space where we can take off that Superman cape of having it all together and share our stories authentically and honestly. I really believe people are dying for the permission to be vulnerable, to just go there but it takes someone being willing to go there first. It's my desire to do just that and invite you and others to do the same by removing that shiny mask of perfection and courageously sharing the imperfect journeys of life, spirituality, love, business, and everything in between. Hey friend, thanks for being here today. I'm just so glad you're a part of the Refined Collective community. Today, we have a really special conversation with Mia Fields. She's a singer-songwriter that lives with her husband in Nashville. You've probably heard some of her songs before. She's written for, oh, you know, small entities like Hillsong and people like Lauren Daigle. Homegirl is a baller and she is such a strong woman of faith. I'm so inspired by her story. So I can't wait for you to hear more of our conversation. Before we jump into that, though, I just want to tell you real quick about a few recent episodes. If you have not listened to them last week, I did a solo show, which I don't do a ton of those, but I did one because I love you. And I talk about babies, Botox and body image. Okay. So I talk about all the things I talk about, like some of my deepest insecurities. And I also share some news on this podcast that I've never shared before publicly. So go ahead and check that out. It's the episode right before this one, Babies, Botox, and Body Image. And then I want to read you this recent review we got from someone called Fit For Him. He says, seriously, you can't go wrong with any episode. Cat brings solid truth no matter the topic. And if she has someone else on the show, she has done her research. They are an expert in their field. But all that said, episode 48 is seriously lit. And there's even a fire emoji, which I really appreciate. Cat is ostensibly by herself, but truly the Holy Spirit is speaking through her with truth and fire. This show might be primarily geared towards women, but everyone you know needs to hear episode 48. Drop what you're doing and listen to that one and then go right ahead and listen to the rest. When you're done, don't forget to come back and leave a review for Kat because she's amazing and you'll want to thank her. What are you still doing here? Go start at episode 48 and keep going. Um, seriously fit for him? Who are you? And can we be best friends? Um, I read that to you guys because A... It's awesome when guys listen to my podcast. I have over 90% female audience. So go men and go dudes for leaving comments on the podcast. And I would love for you to listen to episode 48. It's another solo show. It's called How to Praise Before Our Breakthrough. I love this topic of breakthrough and how to just lean into faith and hope, even when even when that seems like such a risk. And I'll leave you with this quote from Mark Batterson. Is your dream too big for you? It better be because that will force you to pray circles around it. If you keep circling it in prayer, God will get bigger and bigger until you see your impossible prayer for what it really is, an easy answer for an almighty God. Hello, mic drop. So go ahead and check out episode 48. And if you love the Refined Collective podcast, would you go on over to iTunes, 
search The Refined Collective, subscribe to us, leave us a five-star rating and review. It just would mean the world to us. It helps us get the podcast out there to more people. All right, enough of me talking. Now let's get into an hour of me talking with Mia Fields. (laughs) Welcome to another episode of The Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris. And today I have a new friend on the podcast with me. Um, I slid into her DMs and after listening to one of the most incredible podcasts I've ever listened to from C3 Church here in Brooklyn and was so compelled by her story. I just was like, I have got to talk to this girl. And after researching her, found out she's like the girl you don't know that you know, because like she is an incredible songwriter and has her hands in all of these incredibly successful songs that you know. And so I just am so excited to welcome Mia Fields here on the podcast with me today. What's up, girl? Hi, Kat. Thanks for having me. How are you? How's your day? It's good. It's a bit rainy in Nashville today, but we kind of need the rain, so not bad. Yeah, it's it's been so weirdly like rainy and like unseasonably chilly in New York. And really? you know, I'm not hating it because you know you you can get kind of swampy. So I'm like, yeah, just you, taking it. <laughs> you know what? Though a month into fall, I'll be I'll be complaining that it's not summer again. Though totally. One of the first things I do when I like find someone that I'm like, oh, I love their story. I Google them and I'm like, let me find their website. Let me check out their Instagram. Let me like, I feel like our generation is like the world class of like soft stalkers. Like, yeah. Little investigators. And, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Investigating. And um, it is super hard to find information out about you on the internet. And I feel like in an age of like self-promotion and people just like being their brand, like you don't even have a website. And I think that's incredible. So can we talk about that for a second? Uh, Well, I'm not really trying to sell anything. Like I feel like, you know, I think there's a great, great purpose in like being able to have an access point, like, or like a point of reference for people to go to, to get resource or whatever, but I don't really have any resource. Like I just kind of am me and if someone wants to ask a question, they can. Like um, I don't really spend a lot of time on Instagram. I get why, you know, I've got, I've, you know, obviously I write songs for a living and I have a lot of friends who are artists who, you know, that's part of what they're meant to do and it's part of their job. And they, you know, even for like framework around with a label, like they ha- kind of have to, post certain things and like promote certain things. And I don't know, it's kind of nice to be a little bit, a little bit mysterious. Yeah. I feel like there's this weird thing that happens with like, it's like we're in this age of like, let's be real, let's be vulnerable, let's be authentic. And let's put a filter over it. Right. Let's put a filter over it and and make make sure that it's. Yeah. The wording is like perfect and like the angle's good. The lighting's good. I've I've whined my teeth. I've like photoshopped my body. And then it's like... Don't get me wrong. I love me a filter, but the Snapchat situation, I'm like, uh, it's too much work. I don't even know how to use it. (laughs) And I think there's something that is so beautiful about like protecting our real life relationships and processes. Like one of the things one of my mentors says to me is, Kat, like don't teach from a a scab, teach from your scar. And I just feel like, 
So good. So like, I'll be writing something. She's like, yeah, why are you trying to make your like current situation a teaching point? Why don't you live it first? And I think there like, there can be like a real missed moment, like with social media, because we're not processing our lives with our real life community. We're doing it with strangers on the internet. Right. Um, And sometimes like it'll help somebody. It'll make, maybe make someone feel understood, but I, I also kind of think that like you, you have to like be okay with some things being hidden, you know, that there's so many moments that I don't feel the need to tell everybody, you know, um, you know, I, you know, I just was talking to a friend and we were talking about like, you know, some things that happened last year. She was talking about that with her health. And I said, Oh, actually I went through the same thing. Like, and I mean, it was exactly the same thing, just like a, you know, like a hormone type thing. And I mean, I haven't felt the need to put that on the internet, you know, maybe, maybe it would help someone and maybe it wouldn't, but like, there's something to waiting till you're on the other side. Like mm. if you need a process, like, I just think sometimes you want to, we want to, um, process, say, oh, it's like therapy for me. It's like, you know, like it helps me get it out. And I, and I think that's great, but you can also have a, have a journal or you can also have a friend that you give a call to, <laughs> or, you know, there's so much that like, I would just rather go to God about because I know he'll understand and I know he'll have all the right answers. That's, that's, that's a really good point. Um, I was listening to a podcast yesterday and the guy said, you know, the average person looks at their iPhone 80 times a day. And I feel like it's probably actually more than yeah. that. I, I, I don't know, but he said, what if you looked at your Bible eight times a day? Right. You know, we're like, it's like, you know, we're constantly looking, we're looking for something. Right. And I never want to like, like attach shame to like an, a phone. Yeah. Like, you know, someone said last night to me, like I said, oh, like, oh, I couldn't get a hold of you. And they said, well, what were you we, like in the 80s? We didn't even have phones. And I was like, yeah, but we don't live in the mm. 80s. So that's an irrelevant point. Like, and you know so I don't ever want to shame people like for having a phone I have a phone you know and I use Mm -hmm. it and Mm -hmm. um I just you know if there's one like thing at the moment that I think we've got to be really careful about is is that I think there's one thing to celebrating something like publicly like you know I actually love seeing someone post and say like hey like this is so amazing like this moment just happened like, oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. Like, and I'm so overwhelmed. I think that's, there's something so beautiful about that and allowing, allowing people to like celebrate with you. I think it's a whole other thing when you're just showcasing things, you know, like I've never seen a doctor repost like, oh, how, look at this surgery I did. How good was it? This person just talked about it and I've just reposted it because like, how awesome am I? You know, I don't, so I think like, Mm. you know, I've never seen a hairdresser be like, you know, or a mom be like, oh, like this person just said I was a good mom. Let me just take a photo of it or a video of you saying that so I can repost it. Like, I just think some things are, it's okay to be hidden, you know, with entertainment industry, I I do get it. I just think you got to be careful, especially if it's anchored in like something that is like meant to be promoting a name that's bigger than yours. I think you've got to be careful, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Like it's not evil, but let's just be careful. I love that. Yeah. Just like make sure that you're not like making something matter too much. Yeah, absolutely. Now I would love for you to kind of unpack a little bit of your story. Um, I know that you are currently in Nashville. You're from Australia. 
you're a Grammy nominated songwriter. <laughs> and I mean, when I was just like looking at speaking of like, you know, resume and, and stuff like that. <laughs> um, um, I mean, you've collaborated with like, you know, Zach Williams, Jesus Culture, Lauren Daigle, like all the peoples. Um, <laughs> how did you get here? And like, did you ever imagine like when you were a little girl that this is where you'd be? Um, maybe not like the exact framework, but mm-hmm. I mean, to start out and say like faith is a real thing and you grow your faith. Um, actually, yes, as a little girl, I really did think that I was going to do something really amazing. I really did think I was going to write songs. And I used to like, when I was like 13, 14, I used to, you know, my, I'm a triplet and my sisters would be in like, go to bed and I would be sitting up just like with a lamp on, just writing letters to God saying, one day I'm going to do something amazing for you. One day I'm going to write songs that go all over the world. And I think there's something so powerful about, you know, just, I I mean, I don't, I, I don't think, I think faith is incredibly hard and I think it's incredibly easy you know, because it really is just being convinced that God is good and he wants good things for you. And mm. from that, right through like my life, even in the season I'm in now, it's been just kind of like a constant um, repeat or wave after wave of just being convinced that he's good and that he wants good things for me again and again and again. So as a kid, I did believe that I was going to do something great. I did believe that God was going to do it for me. Am I still I still stand back some some days and go, wow, like God is so good. Mm. And it's still, you still have to work, you know, you still have to put the work in and you still have to like listen to what he's, what he's saying. And like, sometimes even like position yourself or take a step in faith. Like I grew up in a really small town of 3000 people. It was a big step of faith for me to move to Sydney, which is like the biggest city in Australia, you know? So there's things along the way that God will prompt you with and he manages to work it out. So I think what's interesting about the in and out of your story, well, first of all, I think it's like, I didn't grow up in a Christian home and to think of you being like a little girl, like writing letters to God, I'm like, what's that like? Right. Well, Um, the funny thing was, is I didn't grow up in a Christian home either. I, um, we, we, my mom was 22 and single and got pregnant with triplets. And, you know, she, she was like struggling with drug abuse. And, you know, we were, we lived in like the equivalent of like the projects in Australia. And so we used to get food parcels from the Salvation Army or food stamps from the Salvation Army. And they would, they noticed she had these three little kids. So they had like a, a bus ministry with the kids and they would go around and pick up kids for Sunday school, take them to Sunday school, you know, give them morning tea and then take them home again. And honestly, like I would go to Sunday school and sing these songs about God and that's where it became real for me. So my mum actually didn't even come to know the Lord until I was eight, but I got saved at five. So when I say like I was like writing letters to God, like, you know, it wasn't that I necessarily grew up with someone teaching me how to do that. It was like, you know, my mum was on the same journey that I was because she was a baby Christian and I was a baby Christian. You know, when I was a baby, I was, when I was a kid, I was a kid Christian. When my mum was, you know, 20, 20, whatever, 30, whatever, she was a kid Christian too. Wow. That's, I would never have known that that is your story. Like when you said like, oh yeah, I was writing a letter to God. Like I just pictured, you know, you had parents that brought you to church every Sunday and, you know, had the white picket fence and everything was fine. No, we didn't even have a fence. We had like, just like the projects and like, (laughs) 
like, yeah, I shared a bed with my sisters until I was like two and a half and like we lived in a women's refuge and we lived in my mum's car and, you know, like I I think that's like a great thing because, you know, if God can do it for me, he can do it for anyone. Yeah. Because like, I should be a statistic. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so I think kind of along those lines, like I think it's easiest, I mean, back to, you know, back to like social media and the internet to, you know, we see someone's highlight reel, right? Like we see- right we see, I see your success. I see you've been nominated for awards. Like you live in Nashville. You have this life that like looks like successful. Um, but most of the like, time it's, it's just not photos. overnight. Yeah. Most of the time it's just photos of our pet bearded dragon. <laughs> no, it's a very uninteresting Instagram, my Instagram. Uh, I, would, I wouldn't recommend following it if you want to be like, if you want all the points on how to live, how to like make it in life. Um, but, you know, I think it's hard because, you know, what we were saying before is like, you know, we're real in a shiny way and like people are seeing the highlight reel, but then someone goes and bees really real on Instagram and it's kind of like, oh, that was like kind of an overshare or like it's like that thing of like sharing a story or sharing, sharing your moment, but not sharing like the journey, like sharing the, sharing like a testimony before you've even walked through the test, you know? So I think, I don't know, I think. I think it's why relationships really important. Just get to know people and ask them questions and find out their story and find out where they're at because it'll give you a lot more compassion for them. You know, Jesus knew knew enough about Zacchaeus that he could have compassion for him. And the thing that Zacchaeus didn't need was somebody to say you're like you're a massive like like corrupted tax collector and you're doing the wrong thing. You're living the wrong way. He needed someone to say like, hey man, do you want to go out for lunch? Like, I've got time for you when no one does. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's so true. Okay. All my single ladies, listen up. Raise your hand if dating as a single woman of faith in today's swipe right, swipe left culture has been a struggle fest. I've experienced it at all from being stuck in the friend zone like it was my job to my dating life looking like the Sahara Desert to awkward setups to heartache to being ghosted and pretty much everything in between. But you know what I've discovered? It doesn't have to be this way. Truly. I know you're like, cat. you don't know me. You don't know my story. And you're right. But I know mine and I know what it's like to feel hopeless in this area of my life. And I know what it's like to move into my season of singleness and dating with hope and clarity and practical tools and freedom. And over the last few years, I've literally journeyed with thousands of women all over the world and walking into more freedom and purpose in their dating life. So I created a free guide for you to help you jumpstart your dating life and get unstuck. It's called Six Tips to Activate Your Dating Life. You can grab it for free at bit.ly slash TRW dating tips. In this guide, I will teach you the biggest mindset shift that will transform how you show up in your dating life. And then I'm going to show you how to get unstuck in your relationships. I know you want to meet a quality guy, but it's like, how, right? I got you, girl. Then the number one thing you can start doing today that will radically transform your season of singleness. And lastly, the three things I wish someone would have told me 10 years ago about dating. This guide is for you if you're a woman of faith that longs for a meaningful relationship but have no idea how to get there. Is that you? Then go ahead and go to bit.ly slash TRW dating tips and grab my free guide, six tips to activate your dating life. 
So I'm, I'm curious about the season of life that you're newly in. You got married recently in the last few years. Yeah. And like I said earlier, how I found out about you is through kind of you sharing your story via C3 Church. And even me getting to hear your story was like this weird, like God experience. I was working from, I work from home in Brooklyn and like the day before two different people that didn't know each other sent me a podcast to listen to. And even though I have a podcast, like I just don't really listen to them. I'm like, I don't have time. Right. (laughs) And I was working. It was like midday the next day I'm working. And I just feel a God say like, go on a walk with me. And I was like, but I don't have time to go on a walk with you. Like I have deadlines. I'm editing photos and I have things to do. And, and then it was just like, God was like, go on a walk with me. And I was like, fine, I'll go on a walk. And he was like, listen to that podcast that you got sent. And then um, go to this park and just walk circles around it. And I was like, am I just a crazy person? Like, what is God saying to me? Like, is God saying this to me? Or is this like me just being weird? And um, I'm like walking around this park, just circles around this park, Mia. And then I'm hearing your story and you're talking about like the walls of Jericho coming down. And I just start crying. I was like, wow, like I felt like hearing your story reminded me to not give up hope for my story. Come on. And that God's not done. And that like, and that we don't want to do the walk. We just want the breakthrough. Yeah, we just want the Um, wall to come down without doing the march. Yeah. Um, So I would, I would love for as much as you want to unpack here, I would love to kind of hear some of your story of um, singleness and relationship. Right. Um, Well, I feel like my story is, I think the reason like people have loved that podcast and I I actually wasn't even trying to do a podcast. I'm (laughs) friends with Josh and Georgie Kelsey who are just the biggest ninjas on the planet. They're just awesome. And Georgie just like called. I know them from Australia. And so Georgie called and she was like, hey, would you want to come and maybe like share at your um, your story at um, our women's conference? And it was only like a couple of months before the conference. And I, I was like, you want me to share on, on being single and, and what God did, don't you? And she was like, <laughs> she was like, yeah. And I just told a little bit over the phone and she like, Got, she got teary and she just she just said, honestly, I feel like it would be so encouraging for the women in our city. And I feel like mm-hmm. it's it's been like that because I think my story is very similar to so many so many women who are like believing God and trying to do the right thing and trying to honor Him and trust Him. And there's this like um, like a delay or like a disconnect, and, mm-hmm. and it's very hard to like. I don't know, find like a, a happy medium or find a, like a, somewhere in between. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I struggled with so much was how do you, how do you believe God for something that is fully dependent on somebody else's free will? Mm. And because, you know, you can't manipulate somebody else's free will. You can't pray over someone like God let them fall in love with me because <laughs> that's kind of witchcraft, you know. So, um, so I was, um, my experience has been that I've always been single. And I'm so awesome that I don't understand that. Um, <laughs> like many of you out there, you're so awesome that you can't understand why you're, you're, you're awesome, you're good looking. Like what's the, what's the disconnect? Um, you know, and so I, I mean, I didn't even kiss a boy until I was 22. And my first experience dating, because I'd waited so long to date, um, I think I put a lot of 
pressure on this to be the God thing and this to be the amazing thing. And I think without knowing it, I, um, I had disappointment, not just in that experience, my first experience dating someone, but disappointment in like, I had this disappointment in God that I kind of carried throughout like my life. Now I'm not going to say be someone who says maybe God wants to work on something in you um, before he gives you like like a husband or whatever. I think there there is sometimes where God says like, you know, there's, there's something that like I want to work on, but I think he works all things together for good. And I know plenty of people that got married at 19 and they hadn't arrived. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it's like a, like a reward system. You know, I think it's that God has perfect timing and he knows what is really good for you. And the amazing thing for me was even though I'd been disappointed in that, I really, I really did feel a grace to be single because I, I would, you know, I'd be like, oh, like every girl, like, oh, I want to date someone, I want a boyfriend, whatever. But, um, you know, I, I wouldn't have moved to America, I don't think, if I hadn't have been single, which maybe that sounds scary because it's scarier to move on your own. But for me, it was actually easier. I think I got to a point, you know, from for me, the, my experience dating would be like I would date someone for like, you know, like a month and I would li- like just have so not have peace about it that I would just be like, I can't be in this. And I would just be like, no, you know, I would either be like, I have to not be in this or I would, something weird would happen where they would like, they would cheat on me or like, Mm -hmm. you know, just something, something that always ended in disappointment. And on the disappointment side, I think you have to know that it is never God's heart for you to like be brokenhearted. It is never God's heart for you to be disappointed. It happens. Like, because people are people. It's the same as anything that is anchored in a relationship. People are going to let you down, but you can't let that become your filter. And I, I definitely did let it become some of my filter. Um, you know, I, as far as like not having peace on something, you know, the older that I got, I would date someone and even the most well-meaning friends who loved God and who like were like godly people sometimes people won't understand where you're at. And I think it's why you have to be so tethered to what God is saying and what God is doing. And you really do have to trust the Holy Spirit and and trust the the prompts that he's giving you. I'm so grateful that I, that I listened to not having peace about certain things because I think you can talk yourself into something. And I think you can, um, you can become someone who you want it so badly that you ignore the checks in your spirit that the Holy Spirit's giving you. And that's something that I, I'm, I will say, like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not ever going to say like, I'm someone who got a perfect, I have the perfect story, but I will say I I've watched a lot of marriages and there's some things I haven't had to deal with in my marriage that, that some of my friends have had to deal with. Every marriage is different. There are like things you have to work out in, in marriage, but like everyone told me mar- marriage would be hard. And I thought, yeah, but being single is hard. <laughs> Isn't that so frustrating? I feel like girls out there need to hear like it, like, you know, when, when someone says, oh, marriage is hard, like it's okay to say back to them, being single is hard, you know, yeah. being a parent's hard. Well, not being a parent's hard. It's all just perspective. Mm, but also like it. you can be grateful in every season. And I will say, mm. man, like if you follow peace, there is something that is so beautiful about that, that like if there is an ease to it, you know, that 
you might be in a storm, but you have like so much peace that's anchoring everything. And everyone said to me, marriage is hard. The first year of marriage is so hard. And I'm like, we had a great first year of marriage. It was Mm. awesome. And our second year has been awesome. (laughs) So, I mean, there's something to waiting on God. Um, I guess long story short, I say that and I tell it really long anyway. Um, (laughs) But basically I, you know, that disappointment that I had, I had to let I remember one, like one day, like I was actually the very first day of our, our church starting when it wasn't a church. It was just like six of us or seven of us just in a basement having a prayer meeting. Um, my friends, Alex and Henry were like, well, come, let's come to the basement. They moved from Australia. They're like, you know, come over to our basement. We'll have a prayer meeting. And, you know, Alex had like, Alex was awesome. She prepared like a sermon, like as though it was for 60,000 people. And it was awesome. Like I love that she put that kind of value on six people. Mm -hmm. And um, she just kind of shared about like God wanting to like clean the waters, like the location's good but the waters are dirty and um, if you put salt in the water and stir the water up, like um, then it'll, it's the story in Kings where Elijah puts salt in the water and it, it clears the waters. And she shared that and she said, you know, like, where you are is good, but there's some things God wants to stir up and there's some things he wants to heal. And I remember sitting under the pool table because there was a pool table in that rented house they had and that would all be my <laughs> spot. And I sat under the pool table and I said, God, um, what do you want to do? And, and then I just kind of sat there and I prayed and I said, would you please heal the sickness with no name? And I was mm-hmm. like, you know, when you pray something, you're like, that wasn't me because I wouldn't pray that. That's a weird prayer to pray. <laughs> and it was like the Holy Spirit kind of led me what to pray, like led me to pray what I prayed. And and then I felt like he said to me, like, you know, that disappointment that, you, that you've kept in your heart, like it's becoming something else and I really want to heal it. And he said, you're disappointed in me. And I said, I'm, no, I'm not. And he's like, yeah, you really are. And I said, yeah, I really am. Because I've seen you move in every other area of my life except for this one area. And now I live in the South and like being 34 in Nashville is like being 184 because Seriously. <laughs> oh gosh, when I moved here, I was 27 and people were still interceding and being like, Oh, we better get on the prayer train for that. Yeah. Which I'm like, I mean, I'm from Texas. So right, like, I'm, I've been a bridesmaid 17 times. Yeah, same. I was like a bridesmaid like 14 times. And <laughs> that's why I didn't have bridesmaids at my wedding. Cause I was like, I think we're done. <laughs> I think we, we, we got I think, it. We I got think it. we're good. Yeah, we've done our season of Bridesmaids. Yeah, yeah that 27 Dresses movie, what a movie that ministered to me. Uh, honestly, though, if one more person is like, oh, you're like the girl from 27 Dresses, I'm like, get behind me, Satan. I'm not going to be a bridesmaid 27 times well, before I meet my person. Well, at the end of the day, that girl from 27 Dresses, like, was she really sewed into everyone else's life and, like, celebrated everybody else's season, even though she was not in it. And she gets the guy in the end anyway. Yep. So that's right. That's a word. That's a word. Like it's perspective, you know? Um, the, so I, you know, God began to heal like disappointment in me. And then, you know, I'm, I, I realized I began to, to like, instead of finishing the year being like, God didn't do it this year. I'm so disappointed. I just like, I started to finish the year being like grateful being like, God, it wasn't this year, but I know you've got something like, I know that it's going to happen. And then I got to the, end of one year toward the end of one year like August or September and and I just said God like I'm going to keep trusting you but what are you doing and I was just in church and I just um had like a vision which is hilarious because I don't really have visions God usually kind of more speaks to me with words 
but I had this vision of a furniture warehouse. And, I, you know, I won't give all the details, but I basically saw like a bunch of furniture and God said, I can pick whatever I want, which for me in and of itself was very healing because I think when you get to a certain age, people put limitations on you that God never does. You know, they say, well, now your options are like the leftovers. And you're like, yeah. and that's just, that's just not how God works. You know, it's funny to me in like the church world, sometimes everybody's fighting for their piece of the pie. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's the kingdom. Everybody gets their own pie. Like calm down. Um, So I, so God said to me, you can pick whatever you want. And it was all this one-off pieces of furniture that were amazing. And I just didn't feel peace about any of it. And long story short, even though I'm telling it long, um, God, I went back to God and I said, I don't want to do this without you. And I don't want to pick if you don't want to pick with me. And he's like, no, I want you to pick. It's actually like everything here is stuff I made. Like it's all really good. Some of it's better for you than other things. But if you really want me to pick with you, I'll custom make it for you. And then the vision was over. And I just, when you get a promise from God and you learn how to hang on to it, no matter how it looks, I think that's what faith is. It's like, no, I'm convinced. Like, you know, I, I'm like, no, God said, like God said. And, you know, people started to think I was a little bit crazy, but that's okay. People don't often believe in the seed. They believe in the fruit, you know, and eventually I had the fruit and I had to be like, well, I guess there was something to it. <laughs> um, you know, the, the, I guess the, the greatest thing for me was like getting my own promise from God and not trying to get pieces of other stories that I liked and, and try and create like a, a framework or a rule system that like, if I do this, this, and this, it's going to work out, you know, because, you know, my husband, Joran didn't even live in the same city. And I know you live in New York and, you know, the dating climate in New York is very, is like very different to everywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things we, people used to say about Nashville, like all the girls in Nashville used to say, and like some of them still do, is they always say it's never, never land. You know, it's mm. like a bunch of lost boys, like who don't want to grow up. Yeah. And I, and I remember like, even before God gave me that vision, when he started to heal me of disappointment, like I was like, I was part of the conversation saying, yeah, like it's never, never land. And God mm. goes, well, it will be if you keep speaking that over them. That's right. And that's right. I think that's such an important thing to to pause on because I feel like as women, we are, we are using our words and we're speaking, we're not speaking blessing over the men in our lives. Right. Like we're speaking like, like faith is leaning into the unseen and yeah, it may, the circumstances may not look good. It may feel like it's never, never land, but like that's as true as you say it is. And I just feel like that's not, that's not like the kind of words God wants us speaking over the men in our lives. No. And there's so much power to like you create your world with your words. You know, I started saying God's going to do this for me and God's awesome and God has this thing for me and I started thanking God for it and like lo and behold, he did it, you know. But when I was saying in my heart, when I was saying, God, you're going to disappoint me and like things never work out, like that's exactly how it always went. And yeah. it's not like yeah. some like the power of positive thinking thing, but it, but it kind of yeah. is. Um, cause be it unto you according to your faith. Like if your faith is like, I'm always going to be disappointed then like, well, you're probably going to have that. Like, and God will probably be kind to you anyway, but like how much better to like 
accelerate everything in your life by just being convinced of who he is. So he said to me, like, you're going to, like, I've custom making for this for you. And I kind of went on this journey with God where I just looked for evidence of what he was doing and not of what he wasn't doing. So instead of looking for like, you know, looking at the day being like, you know, there's no one good in the church that I go to, or like, you know, I like, you know, everybody's already dating someone or all the good guys are taken. I started looking for, it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter if all my friends are getting married. Like I'm going to like be there on the front row, like buying them the biggest gift because I'm sewing into my own marriage by like celebrating theirs. And, you know, there was days I felt lonely, but I, I started to learn how to move in the opposite spirit by just being like, if I felt sad, I would go and buy like cologne because I would think, well, this is for someone because mm-hmm. God's made me a promise. And so I just mm-hmm. kept doing that, you know, and honestly, God plucked my husband out of nowhere, you know, and mm-hmm. seemingly out of nowhere. But the truth, truth be told is he had actually seen me two years before when I started going on this journey with God. And I'm really grateful that like God let me go on a journey with him and that my husband moved cities and then like God still bought brought me back to remembrance to him two years later. And God kept bringing me up to Joran and he just was like, one day he was just like, you know what? I know we don't live in the same city. I'm just going to ask her out. And he didn't know that like in the meantime, there'd been like these moments where I was in church one time and God said, it's in the mail. And I was like, yes, like it's on the way. That's awesome. And it, and it meant like, you know, because I had this promise from God I would like see a cute boy in church and I'd think, oh, he's, he's all right. Like he doesn't have a great reputation, but he's all right. Like, and then I would think oh, I'm going to go talk to him and the Holy Spirit would say, yeah, but mail gets delivered to you. And I was like, oh, come I was on. like, oh, yeah, okay. So it would stop me from trying to bait people for attention or like trying to like bait boys to like, you know, I don't know. I think all girls would not admit, admit they do that, but we all do that. Oh, absolutely. You're like, well, I'm just going to like walk past. Totally. So even, so this weekend I was at um, a rooftop bar with a bunch of people from my church and there's a cute guy there. And I'm like, in my head, I can feel me wanting to position myself in such a way that I'll be next to him so that at some point he's going to see me and then come up and talk mm-hmm. to me. But I just felt like, no, I'm not going to like... I I didn't feel peace about like doing this weird little dance to like get myself in his line of sight to like... Yeah. I just like, God, I want you to do this. Believe me, like you don't even have to be in their line of sight. You don't have to put yourself in your their line of sight. They'll notice you, <laughs> you know, like, and I, and like, if you have to convince someone into something, then believe me, someone will convince them out of it. Um, and you'll always be like working to be like, did I do that? Or did like God do that? Or did I do that? You know, and that's mm. not to say, I will say be friendly. Like I definitely like when Joran came to our church, you know, I I was walking by and I saw a cute guy So and he looked at me, so I looked him back in the eye for just a little bit too long and smiled, you know. I think we can't, like, give guys nothing and expect it, like, <laughs> like, well, he hasn't asked me out yet. And I'm like, yeah, but you have given him, you've friend-carded him so hard because you don't want to, like, put yourself out there because you don't want to get rejected as a potential, but you know you won't get rejected as a friend, you know. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I think we do that. I was like the queen of friend zone city for most of my life because I felt like, you know what? I honestly don't really know if I'm worthy of the type of relationship that I really long for. Like the lie I believed was like, I was going to have to have some big compromise. Like he was either going to like really, really, really love God and be like really incredible spiritually and like 
be like super overweight and I want to be sexually attracted to him. Why do people believe that? Like so many people (laughs) believe that. Like I remember people like trying to pump me for like, this is a really good guy. I know that you're not sexually attracted to him, but like he's a really good guy. And like, like I think single girls hear this more often than like, like especially in the, Mm. like, I mean, not even in the church. I think people just say it because it's something to say. Like in, and it, maybe it was true for you, but I think that God knows the desires of your heart and he wants to like give mm-hmm. them to you. You know, so many people said to me like, well, you know, I wasn't attracted to my husband when I first met him. And I'm like, good for you. You were 16. Let's hope you weren't attracted <laughs> to too many people. Like, um, and I was like, that's fine for you. Like if you wanted to fall in love with like their personality first and then you found them attractive, like, great. That's your story. It doesn't have to be mine. Like, and mm. I was like, I want to be like, wow, what a fox. And yeah, I mean, if you see my husband, I had a big crush on Richard Gere when I was a kid. Won't he do it? You know, my husband is, my husband looks like a really good looking, like more fit Richard Gere. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love <laughs> Which that. I'm like, great. Like, and you know what? I didn't have to be like, well, he's good looking, but he's like dumb as a doorpost. My husband's mm-hmm. really intelligent. He has his own relationship with God. He like is super encouraging, very thoughtful. You know, he looks at the world in a different way to I, to the way that I do. He's very mm-hmm. even tempered. He's he's awesome. You know, like I don't think yeah. you have to compromise on anything. Yeah, yeah. Is there things yeah, you I work agree. out? Yeah, there's things you work out. Like I had to deliver him from veganism. <laughs> No way. He was a was vegan? vegan when we met. And I was like, Ooh, you know, I think sometimes we can get hung up on stupid things. Like, Oh, he doesn't mm-hmm. have the job that I want. Like, well, mm-hmm. that's a stupid thing. Like now is if, if it's like, you're going in very different directions, like, I mean, that's something if it's like, I don't know, you have different goals in life as far as, um, vocation and like how successful you want to be and finance and all that sort of thing. I get that. But I also don't think you write, we write off guys for silly things like, oh, yeah. he breathes funny. Oh my gosh. Like, I think you've got to give guys a chance. Yeah, absolutely. I would, I would totally agree with that. And I think like we, I think if I look at my experience with God in every other area of my life, like I've had like this big grand plan and God's plans are more creative and imaginative and abundant than I could ever hope for. Like that's what Ephesians says. And I've like, my big plan is typically small in God's eyes. So I'm like, God, I want to be open to the idea that like my love, like my husband could look, act, smell, whatever differently than I, than I expect. But like, I know, I know it's not going to be compromised. I know it's going to be better than I expected. So I, I want to be open to the unexpected um, as opposed to like, well, he has to look like this, talk like this, has to have this amount of money in the bank. And believe me, the money thing, you can make money. It's not a big deal. Like, I think it's better to have someone who like has a good, has a healthy outlook on finance, you know, but Mm -hmm. I, you know, I think it's why it's so important to go to God for yourself and get your own promise because otherwise you'll like, you will filter what God is doing with you through everybody else's story. And like, you will look, you'll be like, well, yeah, but I checked that box and like, it still hasn't happened. And I'm like, yeah, but wasn't your box. Like, and God's not waiting for you to check boxes. He's just waiting for you to ask what he's doing and say, yes, God, I believe that I'm going to partner with you. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I think there's been so many, so many times where people unintentionally, whether they've un- unintentionally put it out or, or like the, the crowd has t- unintentionally taken it a certain way, it's been like these formulas for like this is how it's done. Like, you know, if you hang out in a group, like at your church, like that's how you get married or like if you like, mm-hmm. you know, wait for God to bring the right person and like and you just sit on your hands until then. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's a formula that, you know, I, I hear so many people's stories and I've got so many friends who got married at different stages and, you know, some of them were friends for five years and then realized they're in love. Like that's such a beautiful story. You know, some of them knew each other for a week and just knew, you know, that's such a beautiful story. Some of them like were high school sweethearts and are still married 20 years later. That's such a beautiful story. We serve such a creative God. He doesn't just write the same story and change the characters over and over. You get to have your own. Yeah. And so even just as you're, you know, as you're saying that and sharing your story and wrapping it up, like I, what I don't want is for a, a woman to hear this story and be like, okay, it's in the mail right. for me. Right. Like, your word then becomes her word. Right. And I, mean, I have had people um, like email me and say like, you know, God told me he's custom making it for me. And I go, you know, that is actually awesome if he did, but just make sure you're not like trying to be a character in my story because like that's kind yeah. of, to be honest, I don't want the plagiarized version of somebody else's story. Like, <laughs> like that's yeah. the cheap version. It's the counterfeit version. So like, yeah. you know, you yeah. go to God and you say, God, what are you doing? And he'll tell you, like, like he'll tell you. And if he doesn't tell you the first time, just ask him again, you know, and he'll never say like, here's the total picture. Here's the total framework. Because like it doesn't take any faith to believe like this is ha- like if you go to the if you go to this rooftop bar at like seven o'clock and you, and you look mm-hmm. toward the northwest like you know you will see you will, yeah, you will be there like make sure you wear your red sequin dress like he's, he's waiting for you <laughs> you know if you have something like that fantastic but for the most part God says like this is what I'm doing trust me and I say yeah. you say yeah. okay like and you know the beautiful thing for me is like I got to keep looking for evidence of what God was doing and and I found evidence along the way and it would be like God wink after God wink after God wink of him saying just mm. keep keep at it, keep trusting me all the way to the promise and I think everybody gets to do that. That's the one thing that doesn't change for anyone. You don't have to praise your way into it, you get to. You, you don't yes. have to stand in faith the whole way, you get to. And it's right, amazing right. how it accelerates things like for those people who are listening, it is really important not to filter your story through everybody else's because, you know, there are some people like, you know, I've got friends who are single and they're like, you know, 37, 38, some of them are in their 40s and I think they're constantly thinking about like, well, I need to meet a guy in January and I need to be married by June so I can be pregnant by October. And I go, mm. yeah, I get that. Like I'm not going to pretend like there's not this thing that like you go, like I do have a biological clock. Yeah. But I also go like God God knows the plans that he has for you and he also gives you the desires of your heart. So I promise you both, all of it will line up. Yeah, I think that's, that is so true. And it's so, it's so powerful to like hold the two in tension. And I think, yeah, just like when I, when I hear your words, I think like, the verse in Romans that says like hope doesn't put me to shame like 
I have the permission to hope. I have the authority to hope. I have the access to talk to God. I have the, I can have the audacity and courage to be bold and specific with him because he wants me to. He's a God that's not far, that like set the world in motion and was like, well, let's, you know, let me dust my hands off and see how they make a mess of everything. Like he's the God that's near. And he's the God we see, we see this all throughout the entire scripture. Like God is moved to compassion through the prayers of his people. And he's such an orchestrator of relationships. You know, there's, you can't miss it in the Bible that he's orchestrated friendships and relationships and marriages. And like, you know, there's this whole argument about, do you think there's the one? And like, there's some people who are like, no, I don't believe that there's one. I reckon you can make it work with anyone. And just like, once you're in covenant, God blesses it. That's very true. Mm -hmm. That's true. Once you're in covenant, God blesses it. Do I think there are, there are things that are better for you than others? A hundred million percent. And, and as far as, you know, as far as like Joran and I go, you know, in the hard moments that I have, it's a very, very comforting and very disarming reminder to, for me to always have everything f- like built on a foundation of God did this beautiful thing mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. You know, so like we might be having like, you know, a disagreement about something, but I'm in my heart, I'm like, God did this really beautiful thing for me. Yeah. yeah. You know, and the, the way God works even is just, it's, it's so it's so much bigger than, than, than what we could think. You know, it's not about getting a ring on your finger and going on a honeymoon. You know, one of the things that happened in our story was, you know, I had this whole thing and it's like, it's such a, it's a beautiful story. And like, you know, I'd like written a song right before I'd written, like gone out, you know, gone on a date with Joran about like, this is what God has said and this is what he's going to do. And like, and now I'm living the song and it's like so Disney and romantic and, you know, and we get married and then like we have to deal with something that like the day back we got back from our honeymoon that I was like, what the actual heck? Mm. Like this, I did, I, where I, I legitimately did not know what to do. Cause I was like, I didn't know this. And it was just like, you know, it was just something like in our conversation that we had where it was like, oh my gosh, I did not know that piece of information. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember sitting on the front steps, like a day after our honeymoon, of like this like little apartment that we were in and I remember sitting on there just kind of like feeling so overwhelmed and so sad and saying to God, this doesn't feel like a beautiful story. And God said, this is why it's beautiful because now you guys get to take this thing and you get to make it something beautiful and you get to be healing for your husband and he gets to be healing for you. Mm. And I thought like how much bigger is God thinking, you know, and and it's been very true. Like my husband has been so redemptive for me and so healing for me. You know, even like women out there like who like have struggled with body image, which is like, let's be honest, is 100% of us. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my husband has been so healing for my body image. He's been so healing for like the things that people didn't see about me. You know, I i am like I'm trying to not be like, you know, an Enneagram convert, convertee. <laughs> So I'm like the Enneagram could like, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a could potentially be the new essential oil. Seriously. Um, <laughs> like the new thing. It's the new idol in the church. Like, <laughs> but I do think there's points about it that like, yeah, like, cool, this does make sense. And, you know, my personality is that like, apparently I'm an eight, mm. which as far as I've read is the worst one of the Enneagram. Um, apparently they're rageaholics who like, just push back on everything and just lose it all the time. And I was like, well, that's awful, but okay. 
Um, I do have a, like a, a strong personality, um, but my husband, the first thing he sees about me is he always talks about how tender I am. He always talks about how sweet I am. And he's helped bring that side out even more. Mm. You know, for me, I've helped him see himself differently. And I've helped be redemptive for some things in his life, you know, which if he was here, he would share them. I won't share them on his behalf, but, you know, if he was here, he would say the same thing. Um, Mm. And that's, that's, that's the point. Like God is writing a way bigger story than you can think about. Like it would be devastating to marry someone who there was not like a commitment to grow together and to keep being part of this amazing story together beyond that yes moment in a ceremony. Absolutely. And I think it it can be easy to see like the Pinterest moment and be like, I just want the wedding, but like. Then have have a wedding, like throw yourself a big party, buy buy a poofy dress and like take some photos. Like I just, it doesn't you want a marriage. Like that's what you want. You want a marriage because like Joran and I laugh. We're like, were we in love when we got married? We can't even remember (laughs) because we love each other so much more now. And we know each other so much better now that we're like, oh, like we say all the time, oh, my best friend. And sometimes we'll get even like really like exaggerated about it. I'll be like, oh, I just want to put you in a smoothie and just drink you for breakfast. <laughs> like, like really, like if people were in our marriage, they're like, you're all strange. Um, but like, you know, to have that, like to go like, oh, like it just gets better and better and it's so awesome. And, you know, I just, I can't imagine life without him. And he's just so amazing. Mm-hmm. You want that. You don't want to believe me, there's enough people that get married and feel lonely in a marriage that you don't want to get married and feel like, man, like I I waited for this for so long and I feel so sad, you know? Absolutely. You don't want to have to make the best of it. You just want to have to like wait for the best. Yeah, absolutely. I, I almost got engaged in my twenties and I feel like if that would have happened, I would have married the person based off the potential of who he was like 5% of the time. Um, and not right. like who he was most of the time. And right. I'd either be in a really, really, really painful marriage, dying a thousand deaths every day, super lonely, having forsaken my calling, or I would probably have been divorced by now. And like in the moment when you're in that moment of longing where it's like, I just want this thing so bad. Like I can't see this other way out. Like only in hindsight, am I like, God, thank you so much for telling me no. Like thank you so much for not giving me for not answering my prayer the way I wanted it to be answered because I, I thought I knew my best and I didn't. And marriage is hard even when you marry the right person. (laughs) And you know what? Being single is hard, you know? Yes. But it's not, it's not harder than like you, at least when you're single, you can, you're responsible for you Mm -hmm. and you can, the thing you can change is you. Mm -hmm. The hard part about marriage is like, even when you get married, the thing that you can change is you. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Like, so if you, if you marry someone who's not committed to change, then like you're like, you're in a really hard position because like you can keep changing, but if they don't want to, they don't want to, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. I don't know, like that's one, one thing that I will say, you know, people say like, what were you looking for in, in a husband? And I was like, well, besides them being like very, very good looking, um, <laughs> which I think people need, uh, they need to hear that you have permission yeah. to like, to want to have someone who you're attracted to. You have all the permission in the world for that. If you don't want um, to have sex with your husband, they're just a friend. Like, Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, that's, yeah, it's a bit awkward if you don't want to have sex with your husband. That's, <laughs> I'm like, guess what? You're going to probably need to. So 
just resolve that in yourself. Um, so, you know, I always say I looked for someone who was committed to change and I looked for someone who dealt with conflict well and I looked for someone who was willing to communicate even if it wasn't in the, the, the way that I wanted to be communicated to. And I think like those three things just have been a game changer because Joran, you know, we probably have, you know, lots of girls say to me, oh, my husband doesn't talk about his feelings. My husband talks about all of his feelings. <laughs> he probably talks about it more than I do. He would say, we have this joke where he comes home and he just processes and processes and processes his whole day. And he'll say to me, how was your day? And I'll say, it was great. And he'll say, what did you do? And he go, I say, wrote a song. And he's like, is it good? And I go, yeah. And he goes, you can tell me anything else. I'm like, no. <laughs> What's his any Enneagram? He's a five. And so he is like investigator. Like yeah. he wants to like. Information. He wants to like just his mind is like an internet browser that's opened with like 500 tabs. I love it. <laughs> yeah. He, and he, you know, and sometimes I'll, I'll want to process and, you know, I, but I mean, it's, it's great to be married to someone who are like, I'm, I'm very direct cause I'm Australian. Mm-hmm. So I don't say I'm fine if I'm not fine. Mm-hmm. And he is very like both of us. The good thing about both of us is we wear our feelings on our face. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very easy to tell when one of us is upset and, and he's amazing. He's probably the most repentant person that I've ever met. The most willing, most repentant person. Like he may, he'll like, you know, he may push back in the moment, but like, man, he, he is so quick to come and say like, you know, like, I'm sorry, you know, I could really work on that and I'm going to, and I'm like, man, he's taught me a lot about that and about like, just even if you intend to work on something, just communicating it, how much that does for the other person's heart. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, your relationship sounds so fun and challenging and like it was worth the wait. Oh my gosh. And my everyone is just wait for whatever God's doing because it means like, you know, all the other kids might have a bike, but if you want the best bike, like just wait for whatever God's doing. Wait for it. It'll be so worth it. I remember one of my pastors said a long time ago to me, he's like, you know, when you finally walk down the aisle, you're not going to be thinking like about all the other guys that it didn't work out. You're just going to be like, I'm so glad it's you. Like, yeah, I'm so glad it's you. Like you're the one I was praying for it this whole time. Like you're not going to be like, Oh, it's not that other guy. And Oh, oh my gosh. No, <laughs> you're like, we're going to be like, we're going to be like, I hope all the other guys see this on Instagram. Cause look who I got. Yeah. He's amazing. <laughs> well, Mia, thanks for sharing your heart and your story. And again, um, if you're listening to this and you want to hear more of like more details of this story, Google C3, it's a beautiful story. I'm going to put that podcast episode in the show notes to this episode. Yeah. It's just, proof that like, I promise you, God is very, very interested in this part of your life. It's not, he's interested in everything else. And then this, you just got to figure it out. He's so interested and he wants to like orchestrate something so awesome Mm. for every single person. You don't have to look a certain way. You don't have to be a certain weight. You don't have to have like figured out like all, all your personality flaws and have sorted those out. He wants to like be kind to you, kinder than you realize. Mm. So good. Well, I receive it and I just appreciate, I appreciate your heart and words. And um, yeah, I hope we get to meet at some point in real life. That'll be super fun. Yes. I'm in New York enough. I'll hit you up. Amazing. Sounds good. All right. Well, have a good day. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. 
thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Refined Collective Podcast. If you are new here, maybe you've listened for a long time and there's topics, questions, comments, concerns that you have about what we're up to, follow us on Instagram, The Refined Woman. Send me a DM and I will get back to you and let me know what you want to hear about. Let me know what you want to talk about. And I would love to make that happen for you. Have such a fabulous day. (laughs) Bye.